You can take your Bibles out and turn to Acts chapter 1. I generally open this conference every year with a message out of the text for the Great Commission. But God has left me in a, led me in a different direction here tonight, and we won't stray too far from that theme. But we want to look at the other commandment that Jesus gave between His resurrection and His ascension. He gave two commands, amen? One was to go, and the other was to wait, amen? To be endued with power from on high, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We want to talk about Pentecost here tonight. Amen. And Pentecost really, in a nutshell, that's the one condition to be an effective evangelist, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's going to do us a little good to go if we don't first wait and tarry and be endued with power on high. You may say here tonight, I'm already filled with the Holy Ghost, Brother Britt, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Amen. A lot of Pentecostals have an experience they can trace. 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, but we've got to be filled every day afresh. Amen. Or we're unprepared to really declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1, very familiar passage here beginning in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we know where your Spirit is, there is liberty. We ask that your Word would have free course here tonight to be spoken and to be heard, Father. And I pray that you'd provoke within us a hunger, that we would see our great need to be filled afresh, Lord. For we know that all that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled, Father. Let your word touch us. Let your word provoke us and stir us. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everybody say it. Amen to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In our text here, amen, we find these inspiring words from the Lord Jesus Christ. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Amen. We all know that that word power in the original language is deutimus. Amen. And it means miraculous power or miraculous ability, supernatural force. Amen. How many of you know we need the power of the Holy Ghost? We need the power of God. Thus, the one spiritual characteristic that sets Pentecost apart, it is power. Amen. That's what sets Pentecost apart. We know that, that Jesus said in Luke 24 and 49, Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It's true, amen, we must go. And if we fail to do so, as much of the church fails to do so in this hour, and if we fail to do so after the biblical pattern, then we disobey the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can never f fulfill that commandment until we first tarry and be filled with the Holy Ghost from on high. I, I believe most of us here would claim to be Pentecostal. We would claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm not sure that we really believe that in our heart of hearts, that we must be filled to overflowing, that we must be endued with power if we're to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, power from on high is our most pressing need and Pentecost greatest promise. Amen. I believe if we really understand our duty 
and we really have right notions about Christianity, then we recognize it is absolutely impossible for us to fulfill our Christian obligation in the natural. Amen? If we haven't seen that, then there's a lesson that we need to learn. Amen? But thank God for the good news of the gospel. Because what He's commanded, He has provided in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in John 14, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. What greater comfort can a Christian have than to know that God is here with me, God is going to enable me to fulfill the burden that lies upon my heart to make this Christ known to my generation. Amen? That comfort's not just about the Holy Ghost coming to pat somebody on the back. Amen? But enabling us and empowering us to do what should be our greatest burden, and that is to fulfill the will of God. Yes, power is the distinguishing mark of true Pentecost. And that's exactly what we must have. Amen? I know a lot of foolishness goes under the banner of Pentecost. Lots of folks that speak in tongues live unholy. Amen? There's so much disorder, disarray among those that call themselves Pentecostal. But I know one thing. If the Apostle Paul needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost, then I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If the Apostle Peter needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost to preach to his generation, then Britt Williams needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Whatever it is, I must have it. I've got to have genuine Pentecost if I'm to do the will of God. And I don't care what anybody says. If a man's not filled with the Holy Ghost, he is unfit to preach the gospel. He must be filled. And the church must be filled. Amen. Amen. Must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Sweeping, enabling, invigorating, God-glorifying power is the distinguishing mark of Pentecost. Power for purity. Power in service. And power in evangelism. Yes, it touches every aspect and every sphere of our Christian experience. Amen. We know that Jesus said, For without me, you can do nothing. Sometimes I wonder, even though we quote this, we know of it, we've heard it a thousand times, but do we really believe that we can accomplish anything apart from the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? I can remember when I was first born again and God began to deal with me. Go into the highways and the byways and preach the gospel. Go onto the streets. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and show the people their transgressions. And I can remember the sense the revelation of my inadequacy. I knew that if God didn't show up, if God didn't anoint me, if God didn't speak through me, if God wasn't with me, that absolutely nothing would take place. And for hours I would cry out in the night air, Oh God, would you visit tonight? Would you speak through me? Would you convict sinners? Holy Ghost, come and reprieve the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. We need to get back to our first love. We need to recognize that we're nothing without a holy God to flow through us. We need to become as little children and cast ourselves upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be hungry for God. Amen. That means we know we have a need. We know we have a need. This divine Holy Ghost power is the difference between God's ability and my ability. That's a huge, unexplainable chasm. Is that right? The difference between His ability and my ability. It enables, it lifts us up into the spiritual realm where God and angels dwell. It's that which makes the crooked straight and the rough smooth. Holy Ghost anointing, which, which makes preaching effectual. There is nothing else. It's that something you quite can't put your hand on. Amen? It's that something that empowers 
that invigorates, amen, that gives heavenly, heavenly unction and heavenly authority to the preacher. It's when the Spirit of God comes and, and manifests the Word as a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. It's when deep calleth unto deep. It's when the Holy Ghost comes and applies the Word of God in such a way that the worst of mockers and scoffers are arrested by the power of the Holy Ghost. Church, we need that once again. We need that once again. We must see. We've got to have it. This power bridges the gap between heaven and hell. How else will we overcome without a fresh Pentecost? You know, people wonder in this hour, what's missing in our churches? I'm a pastor. I could ask that question here tonight. I know the answer. True, heaven-sent, fire-baptized Pentecost. That is the answer. A manifestation of real Holy Ghost, pure Pentecost in our midst to be overshadowed by the person of Jesus. You know, it's a sad hour. It's unfortunate that most Pentecostal pastors in this hour and Pentecostal leaders, they have reduced Pentecost to merely a shout and a tongue. Amen. When the church no longer runs, when the church no longer bucks, when the church no longer, you know, lifts its hands and claps, I believe in all that. I believe that's good. But to reduce Pentecost merely to that, listen to me, our leadership is blind. I read, amen, in the book of Acts, that when the Holy Ghost came, they spake the word with boldness. Amen. I read in the book of Acts when they had a prayer meeting and the house was shook. Amen. God came. They spoke with boldness. Amen. I read there. They went everywhere preaching the gospel. You know what's missing there? You never see any uh, verses or passages explaining. Amen. You know, the, the hoot and nanny at the church service. But that's what we've reduced Pentecost to. And I'm not against shouting. Don't anybody think that I am. But Pentecost is far, far more than that. The evangelist comes to the church now. Everybody runs and bugs leaves church dripping wet with sweat, goes to the restaurant, and is afraid to witness to the waitress. Don't tell me that's Pentecost, mister. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with that sight. Oh, but as long as everybody shouts, we think the Holy Ghost has come. We've reduced it to a form. I said we've reduced it to a form. Show me a man. Show me a church filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'll show you a man and a church that cannot help but display, express, and speak. Out of your belly shall flow, amen, a river of living water. A running fountain cannot be contained, amen. Just go out here, turn on the faucet, put your hand over it, see if you can stop it. It'll just spread it everywhere. You know, in our hour, we get people together and we have to encourage them. Why don't you tell somebody about Jesus? Well, I was at work the other day and somebody told a filthy joke. Did you reprove them? No, I was scared. You need to learn to say something. That's where we're at in our churches. You get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. You're not going to have to encourage them to speak. If anything, you're going to have to slow them down a little bit. They won't be able to help themselves. They're going to talk to everybody. They're going to preach to everybody. When I got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, somebody had to reprove me and tell me, listen, you can't preach all day at work. You've got to do a good job because I couldn't help myself. I was telling everybody about Jesus, amen. I didn't know a lot about the Bible, but I knew I got born again, amen. I knew something's happening with me. Something's changed inside. I couldn't contain it, amen. You know, you may not believe it, but I was naturally quiet. I was naturally reserved. I was most of all unholy, amen, as a sinner. But I was not a loud, boisterous individual. But when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, something began to happen. There was a burn of fire that burned in my bosom. I wanted to talk to somebody about this Jesus. Amen. I couldn't dismiss it. Nothing in the world could captivate or enamor me away from that vision. It was my meat and it was my drink. Why is that? I was filled with the Holy Ghost come down from heaven and the same will happen to every man 
that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And everybody he lives inside does the same. Everybody he lives inside does the same. We were brought out to be brought in, apprehended to attain, redeemed to realize, and utterly filled to completely fulfill. Pentecost is God's answer to a vessel born of the Spirit, washed in the blood and prepared for His glory. Listen to me. It is our appointed destiny. It is our appointed destiny to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We can talk about evangelism, and I believe that's good. I believe it's profitable. It's in the Word of God, and the Word of God is profitable. Amen? But first, we've got to see there's no shortcuts to fulfilling the will of God. We must be filled, and we must stay filled. The Baptists, we condemn them. They preach once saved, always saved. Amen? What a heresy. What a doctrine of devils. But now we preach by the way that we live. Once filled, always filled. It's an everyday obligation to pray through to the revelation that Jesus is alive. And not just alive in heaven, but alive in me. Amen. He lives in me. He walks in me. He got, I'm conscious of His life operating in my person. That's the place we have to pray through to or we'll do very little good as Christians in this life. This is real, amen? I, I dare say we've heard preaching like this before, but I don't think we really believe it, amen? We really have to come to this place, and there is such a place. Oh, yes, there is. Amen. Elijah was in that place. Amen. Abraham was in that place. Amen. Throughout the Bible, the patriarchs, the prophets, the apostles, they lived and breathed, moved and walked in such a place. Amen. And we too can walk in Jesus. And listen to me. Such an hour as we live in, it's absolutely necessary. Amen. Now God has never been glorified by sin or defeat. Unfortunately, that's what the church is characterized in this hour. We're filled with the Holy Ghost, but everywhere sin and defeat. That's not the will of God. That ought not to be our testimony. This gospel is a message of victory, yet we'll never realize the victory if we violate God's means. We'll never secure the end if we violate the provision of Almighty God, which includes Pentecost. Amen. If you don't get born again, you can come into the church, you can take up the language, you can go through the motions, but you'll never do the will of God because you violate the means. That's the door. Jesus Christ. You've got to be born into this kingdom. Well, you can be born again. You can go through everything you know. You can mimic what you see. But if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you cannot accomplish the will of God. That's why we must begin there. Amen. Listen to this quote from John G. Lake. And I don't agree with everything Mr. Lake says or does. Amen. But this is a wonderful quote. He was an early 20th century missionary and preacher. And he's summoned through the book of Acts. And God speaks to him on this line. He said, this is Pentecost. As God gave it through the heart of Jesus. Strive for this. Contend for this. Teach the people to pray for this. For this and this alone will meet the necessity of the human heart. And this alone will have power to overcome the forces of darkness. This alone. Do we believe that here tonight? Don't let TBN turn your stomach. Amen. Away from the book of Acts. It's a counterfeit. Do you hear me? It's not the real. It's not the genuine. And listen to me. When there's so much smearing of the real and so much counterfeit of the genuine then somebody ought to rise up and show the real. Those same people claim to be born again, but we don't throw out the doctrine of regeneration. Is that right? Just because they claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, they can't be if they live unholy and live contrary to the Word of God. It's a counterfeit. That ought to just drive us to be that much more genuine, that much more to be jealous, amen, to do the will of God. Pentecost, which is nothing more than being utterly filled with the person of Jesus is God's solution given to the church 
for the impossible. Amen? And that's what this life is. We do face the impossible in this hour. America, our culture, stands on the very brink at the threshold of judgment. Amen? A culture and a, and a society that's been given over to a reprobate mind. Listen to me. That's where we're at. Persecution. More than likely, if God doesn't come, intense persecution for the real believer is just around the corner. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need to manifest the purity and the power and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. While there's time, amen, while it's day, we're called to work, amen, to plow, to set our face towards Zion, not to be discouraged, not to draw back, not to go to the left or the right, but to march on to the drumbeat of Zion to do the will of God. That's what God has called us to do. Pentecost, we must have it. We need it in this hour. Though we've been touched before, we need to be touched again. I see three significant and fundamental areas of power that's represented here in this commandment. Our call to Pentecost. The first thing I see, Pentecost is power to die. Pentecost is power to die. Oh, that's good news. That's good news, friend. That's glorious news for those who know the greatest hindrance. Amen. For Jesus having His way with me he is me. Amen power to die. Oh, listen to me. That's the greatest hindrance. That's your greatest enemy. Your greatest enemy is not some false prophet, amen, out in California. It's not Osama bin Laden. Your greatest enemy. Take a mirror and look in it. That's him, amen. That stands between you and heaven, amen. Not even the devil is a greater enemy, amen, than you because you're the vessel he's going to use, amen. We either die in the Lord Jesus Christ or listen to me, everything that's not dead, the enemy is going to take up and beat us to death with. We need to be crucified in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Pentecost is power to die. He said, ye shall be witnesses. And that word means martyr. Amen. It means witness, but it also in the Greek is martos. And it is translated martyr in other places in the New Testament. Listen to me. Being filled with the life of God is courage and conviction to forsake my own. To be filled with the life of God is courage and conviction to forsake my own. Because nothing satisfies the human heart like the person and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's my destiny? It's to walk with Jesus and to do His will. If nobody ever knows my name, if nobody ever, you know, is influenced by this ministry, that I could walk and minister under the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my destiny. That's your destiny. That's my call. That's your call. To be filled with the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any desire that's less than that, amen, is going to lead to compromise. The command, listen to me, to be filled is indirectly coupled with the command to die. The command to be filled is indirectly coupled with the command to die. Remember the words of Jesus, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life, for my sake and the gospel's the same, shall save it. Amen. Now, we know that God has set certain unchanging and unmovable spiritual laws into motion. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Amen. God is just. He also said, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. These laws cannot be evaded by the cunning of men, nor will they be violated without grave repercussion. Nobody escapes the law of God. Maybe for a season, someone might imagine that they're skirting the justice of God. Not so. Everyone will receive a just recompense. Amen. Thus, if we commit ourselves, listen to me, to Christ, He will commit Himself to us. Just as it is on the negative side, so it is on the positive side. We're going to reap what we sow. 
If you talk to Him, He's going to talk to you. If you open up your heart to Him, He will open up His heart to you. If you surrender all, if you give all, then you will see Jesus in His fullness and His glory. Amen. That is what the call is for us to lay down our lives for the gospel. Amen. Now to preach the gospel is to demand, to bring to men's conscience and to their will that Jesus demands that they follow Him. But we'll never influence men to go while we refuse ourselves. We become hypocrites. The moment, amen, we begin to tell someone, lay down all to follow Jesus, if we haven't followed with all of our being. And no matter, no matter who knows, listen to me, maybe no one knows. Maybe we have an outstanding reputation before the brethren. Amen, but I can tell you, in our preaching, we've lost influence. In our preaching, in our ministry, our life, the anointing, we grieve the Holy Ghost. We can never demand that men go where we ourselves will not go. What a hypocrite to say, lay down your sin, forsake your sin and compromise, and follow Jesus if we harbor our own idols. Listen to what J.D. Watson said. If our prayers are answered with Pentecostal power, we must pay Pentecostal prices. Oh, yes, sir. If we want what they had, we're going to have to do what they did. If we want that kind of life and that kind of influence, we're going to have to see those types of lives manifested in our midst again. Amen. They didn't just rub some oil on somebody and lay hands on them for 15 minutes. Amen. They were literally willing to die. They were literally willing to lay. Nothing else mattered to them that Jesus would be known to their generation. So we see if we sow life, we reap life. Life for life. The principle is always the same. It's as simple as farming. You plant watermelon seed, you get watermelon. You don't put acorns in the ground and expect cabbage. Amen? You've got to lose your life that you can gain the life of Jesus. He said in John 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now we know no one's going to die like Jesus died. Amen? He is the sacrificial lamb. Nobody has to go there again. Amen. He has fulfilled the promise. But He has called us to enter in to that death, to the type. And indeed, many have literally given their lives. But you see, the standard is the same, a relinquishing of all. We cannot read the Gospels and overlook this obvious spiritual fact. Without an emptying, there can be no filling. That's an absolute. Amen. You've got to pour the thing out before you can ever fill it up again. New life cannot be gained until first the old life is forsaken and displaced. Everything. I realize probably nobody in this room still smoking and dipping and drinking and going to the gambling boat. If you are, you're not right with God. you got to get born again. Amen. But I'm not talking about just the obvious things. Every attitude, every motivation under the scrutiny of a holy God. Christ's likeness, not just in our exterior, not just in the outward rules of life, but Christ's likeness in every attitude of heart. This is our call to enter into that death. His life is the only acceptable life. However, the command to be filled is intrinsically linked to the command to die. Two commandments, amen? One to be filled, one to die. They are intrinsic, amen? When I say spiritually to die, I mean utterly to yield, to offer ourselves without reservation, to surrender any agenda, even a good agenda, what we might perceive as the will of God, what might could be proven out of the Scriptures, but it's not uniquely what God would have us to do. Everything laid upon the altar, whether it's a ministry, a calling, a husband, a wife, our children, everything has to be placed upon that altar. That's got to be a willingness in our heart. The Christ is so to fulfill the latter, amen, the two commandments to be filled and to die. The crisis of fulfilling the latter compels us. To submit to the former. Amen. Why? We come to realize we're frustrated. 
We can't do this. We, we cannot. All of our best effort, all the knowledge we've had, all the teaching. Uh, amen. In our glove compartments, we have 30, 40 teaching tapes crammed in there. We listen to them one after another. That's good to do. Amen. The Word of God builds faith. In our homes, amen, teaching tapes, music, whatever it may be. But we're frustrated because our head knowledge has not been converted into reality of life. And the key issue is found in the motive of heart. Because we have to surrender all. We have to give up everything if we're to receive that life in fullness. In other words, we realize we can never fully have the new unless we're first willing to thoroughly bury the old. New wine, you cannot put it, or pardon me, amen, new wine must be put in new bottles, amen. It's got to be that way. You can't take some of the old and convert it. Everything has to be new. But God has His means, listen to me, to bring us to a place of desperation. That's why I'm sure that even in the best of churches, there are spiritual crises taking place in this hour. For God is trying to bring us to the end of ourselves. Amen. He's trying to cause a divine frustration that we will turn in to the Lord Jesus that they will lay down our game, no matter how orthodox. I know that most of us come from conservative churches where we would say we're orthodox. We're not involved in the games of religion that men are involved in this hour. But we have our own little games, amen? Our own little games that fit in our own little, you know, holiness mode and purity mode. We do our own thing, amen? We walk after our own imagination, but only in the traditions that we've been reared up to believe is right. We've got to forsake that all and allow the Spirit of God once again to take charge in our day-to-day, moment-by-moment life to be filled. The power of the Holy Ghost is the power to die. Amen. Remember, the 120 had seen the Lord Jesus. Hence, they had seen the Word of God displayed. Amen. Once you see it, you're obligated. That's all. Amen. Once you see, you know You're obligated. That produces crisis. They well understood their obligation exceeded imitation and impersonation. They knew that in their heart. We know that. If we know anything, we know that. We've tried that. Amen. We've gone. We've said what we should say. We do. We go through the Lord. We do what we should do. Amen. And we know that we're not still fulfilling our duty and our calling. And the reason is that imitation will not do. We must genuinely have the person of Jesus. Parroting the Jesus, the, the life of Jesus and the doctrine of Jesus must be below our call. It's not what would Jesus do, amen, 2,000 years ago, but what would Jesus do in me in 2006 right now? And I can't do it without Him. It's going to be Him in me, amen, and Him through me. The crisis was this. They must be what they had seen. Apart from this, the Great Commission could never be fulfilled. Jesus got himself killed. How in the world are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? The culture wouldn't tolerate him. What are we going to do? This is where many of us are at, I believe, here tonight. Amen. By Holy Ghost divine. We cannot do this in our own strength. And God has allowed us to come to such a place as this. And really, you know, we can apply this to evangelism, but it's really every facet of our life. Homeschooling mother, you need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to school those children. Amen. Holy Ghost fathers, Holy Ghost mothers need the Holy Ghost, the anointing. We need the fullness of Pentecost to be the parents that God has called us to be. We must have it. You know, we have a mentality, oh, preacher, you need to be anointed to pastor. You need to be anointed to be a Christian. We all need the Holy Ghost for everything. Amen. For everything. To to do the will of God requires the Spirit of God. Amen. You may not be called to preach. Amen. But you must have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This and this alone, listen to me, is the remedy. Jesus said, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you 
body shall be in you. That's it. Him in you. Amen. That's the remedy for our helplessness. That's the remedy. Amen. For our inability to produce. Our inability to fulfill. Christ living in and through us by the Spirit. The old man with all his schemes and all his plans must fully embrace the cross. And then and only then can the Holy Ghost have his way. He'll fill, amen, if we'll empty. It's our part, amen. I said he'll fill and we'll be willing to empty, amen. We're to purify. We're to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Is that right? It's our place to say, I'll let go with everything. Just give me the Holy Ghost to do your will. People wonder, amen, why can't I produce what I know? Our problem is not our location. You know, you hear people say, well, you know, I was in a different place. Better of a different wife, different husband, maybe. Maybe, maybe another calling, different job. Wouldn't be like this. No, no. It's not a location. It's not our times. You hear people say, and I'm tempted to believe this even at times. I have to correct myself. We live in a hardened, amen, generation. Times when men reject the Spirit of God. I know that the Bible says the last days will be like the days of Noah, amen, but we can't use that as an excuse. How many of you have been saved 30 years here? Anybody? Amen. Anybody been saved 30 years? Amen. One person over there, most of us been saved. Amen. Less than 30 years. We all got saved in these times. Amen. If I got saved and you got saved, anybody can get saved. Is that right? Don't think it's the times, amen, nor seemingly the impossibility of the task before us. And it is impossible. But our greatest problem is us. That's where it really is. Just draw a circle around yourself. Amen. That's it. Just let God come and let God displace this and we can move forward. When the us is removed from the church, then we'll enjoy the power of a living, resurrected Christ. This is Christianity. Jesus in us. The hope of glory. That's what it is. Amen. It's Christ in me. Not just to say that. Not just to quote a little Bible. I, I believe in quoting the Bible. But it truly is tangibly the life of the Lord Jesus Christ being manifested through us as we yield ourselves according to the divine pattern, allowing God to live in and through us. Totally with no regard for our own life, our own agenda, our own reputation. It doesn't matter what other people think. What does God say about it? This is the man that God can use. This is the church that God can use. Just imagine if Jesus were to go to LSU with us tomorrow in bodily form. Now one of us here would say, I think we'll just have probably kind of a normal day. <laughs> Something would happen. We might not survive through the day. Amen. We may, they may hang us from the light poles. They very well could do that. But I promise you, something eternal would take place. There is no way that men can come in contact with the living Christ and remain the same. And this has to be our aim. This has to be our goal. Just because we're filled with God doesn't mean that everybody's going to hear us. It doesn't mean everybody's going to repent. We know better than that. Amen? We know better than that. It may mean, amen, great and horrible persecution, great rejection. But listen to me. A line is drawn. Then men have received a pure testimony whereby they'll be they'll be damned, amen, or justified on the ground of reality. This is our obligation to our fellow man. All that I owe that man out there is to love him. And that's the only expression of love that I can give him. That is love, to give him Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give him? A pat on the back? No, he gave us Jesus. That's real love to give men the pure example and the pure manifestation of Jesus Christ. Nothing less and nothing more. And don't suppose for one moment that those 120, that they didn't have busy schedules, that they didn't have jobs, and that they didn't have families. They were willing to sacrifice. They were willing, amen, to prioritize according to God. You know, I really believe, and listen to me, time, it's the great, you know, need. We think, oh, 
I have no time. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just seems like today, just before you know it, it's, oh, it's a great commodity time. But I tell you, I believe if we really get full of God, there'll be more than enough time in the day to do exactly what God has called us to do. I believe that's just a sign that we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That first century church understood the key to victory. They never forgot the command of Christ. See, we're going to emphasize, as we have often, this command to go into all the world to preach the gospel. But we cannot forget the other command. Tarry until you be endued. Amen. First of all, Pentecost is the power to die. Second of all, Pentecost grants us the power to live. Amen. And really, that's the ability to enjoy and to communicate divine life. That's the ability to enjoy to realize and to communicate divine life. The fullness of Christ's resurrection life is bestowed in Pentecost, in the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to know something. There's a distinction to be made between the baptism of the Holy Ghost and Pentecost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is individual. But Pentecost, amen, is the Holy Ghost being poured out on 120. That constituted a local church. Then and only then do you have revival. It's not just one being filled, though it begins perhaps with one. Amen. But that's why you see here and there someone sold out to God, having revival in a single life. But why no sweeping revival in the church? Because you have to get in one accord. Amen. And listen to me. You know how hard that is just to get three or four people in the same mindset, much less a whole church. But if you get the whole church hungry after God and the Holy Ghost indwells that church, then you have Pentecost. But listen to me. The life of Jesus is manifested and bestowed in the baptism of the Holy Ghost to the individual life, in Pentecost to the corporate life. The only life on the other side of Pentecost is the life of Jesus. No other life. Amen? Just the life of Jesus. No other anointing. You know, we use terms loosely. We say, you know, oh, brother so-and-so, he's really anointed. And then somebody may say, you know, that's not really my anointing. I have an anointing to do such and such. There is only one anointing, amen, that I want to have. And that belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the anointed one. That's the only life on the other side of Pentecost. Mortal, fallen life cannot survive the fires of Pentecost. And listen to me, this is essential in regards to Pentecost. Praying John Hyde said, Self must not only be dead, but buried out of sight. For the stench of the unburied self-life will frighten souls away from Jesus. You see, it's not just what people can see us do. It's what we are. And what we are contributes to the corporate anointing. That's why, even in a local church, we all have an obligation to be real with God. We all have an obligation to come before Him, cleansed by the blood, walking in purity. Because we are contributing, either in a negative or a positive sense. And what we are, we cannot escape from. Amen. It limits, amen, or enables us in our service to Jesus. Amen. Because it's a direct link to God's authority. Nevertheless, God has ordained that we put on the new man. It says in Ephesians 4 and 24, which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness. That's what holiness is. Holiness is Jesus. Amen. And that life in and through me. Amen. If there's anything holy about you, if there's anything holy about me, it's simply the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's real. I believe it's tangible in us. But it has to be attributed to Him. Who is the new man? It says in Romans 13 and 14, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ. When we identify by faith, with Christ in His death, we therefore experience resurrection life in and through Him. Amen. It says in Romans 6 and 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Only then do we have a spiritual right and a spiritual means to claim the Spirit of the living God. 
Because listen to me, it's Pentecost that provides the power to live. Amen. Then we're free to simply yield and cooperate to God. You see, we have to be dead under sin. We're to conclude or reckon ourselves dead under sin. Yes, most people in the church, you think you can be free from sin? Absolutely not. We all have to sin. That's disobedience to the Bible. Amen. I am to reckon myself dead under sin. But not just dead under sin. I must be alive under God. There's got to be a sensitivity. There's got to be an interaction. Amen. I've got to flow and commune with the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what of life of peace and rest this is. To be spiritually minded, the Bible says, is life and peace. When we're dead and Christ is alive, we can be fully seen in His people. Or He can be fully seen in His people. And that's what needs to happen tomorrow at LSU. Amen. Throughout this week. Not that they would see Britt Williams or Victor Persinger, but that there would be a revelation of Jesus Christ through our yielded persons. This is the aim of God for you and I as we go back into our community that Jesus would be lifted up and unveiled by the power and the divine plan of God through the human vessel, the church. Pentecost grants us this privilege by filling the body with the very Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's then He's able to live and to breathe, to respond and to act through His body. He can tell His body, move the hand there and move the foot here. Amen. Romans 8 and 10 says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Amen. It's the power to live. And finally, here tonight, amen, and most importantly, Pentecost is the power. It empowers us to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be witnesses unto me. It's the pattern. It's the plan. There is no other. I said there is no other. It's got to be this way. There's too much shortcut Pentecost even in this hour. Everyone wants to do it their way. But there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You shall be witnesses unto me. Amen. We are authorized with power as ambassadors for Christ when we're filled with the Holy Ghost. And again, that's God's ultimate aim with us, to habitate His people so as to secure a vehicle of divine expression. Amen. Listen to me. When you go and buy a house, it's your intention to dwell. Is that right? You purchase a home, I'm going to live there. Everybody that God redeemed, He wants to live there. He wants to take up habitation. As we've learned, that must not only be in the individual, but in the corporate sense. Out here by myself, Amen. somehow the church has to be brought in corporately. I'm not talking about everything that calls itself the church. I'm talking about everything that's willing to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to have that testimony. But we've got to see it first on an individual level. Charles Finney said, The city is going to hell. Yes, the world is going to hell. And must go on till the church finds out what it must do to win souls. If we're dead to the old life, if we're alive to Christ, then we're going to accurately represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when we walk in the fullness of the Holy Ghost, then we have the right perception. As the prophet said, my eye affecteth my heart. What I see, and not just with the natural eye, but with the inner eye. You know, we read through the Bible every day in devotions, and we have a time there where we read. And today, uh, we, we began in Esther. We came to the book of Esther. And we read there about Mordecai. And we read about Haman and how he had a vendetta against the Jewish people. And he influenced the king to set aside a day when he would destroy all the Jews out of the kingdom. And, and Haman was a wicked man, as you know. But it says there, I believe in, in chapter 4, we were just reading it today, and the verse jumped off the page at me. It says, when Mordecai perceived, amen, what was going on, when he perceived what was going on, that he rent his clothes, and he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out into the streets of the city, and he lifted up his voice with a bitter cry, the Bible says. And I come here to tell you, if you really get full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to know there's a day appointed in which God is going to judge all men, that our nation stands on the brink of judgment, and we're obligated. Listen to me, you're not going to have to 
spend hours with somebody that are filled, that's filled with the Holy Ghost. They're going to have a desire. They're going to be driven to go, driven to speak. I cannot help myself. I must speak all the words of this life. That's what it is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just running around a church service or having some goosebumps. Where's the church that carries the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ into the streets to the wicked? We no longer do it according to the Word of God. We invite somebody to church. You can't find that in the Bible. I believe it's all right to invite somebody to church. But we think we fulfill the Great Commission when we ask somebody, would you visit church? Church is for the edification of the believers, for the fivefold ministry to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. What's that? Fulfill the Great Commission. To go on the highways and the byways and to do it the way they did it. When I survey the Bible, I see that every prophet, most of the patriarchs, they were open-air preachers. When I look in the New Testament, every last apostle, everyone called in the New Testament was an open-air preacher. Above all, Jesus Christ, you rarely see Him preaching inside the confines of a building. He was an open-air preacher. Why don't we do it anymore? It's a lost truth. I said it's a lost truth. We've improved on God's message. Doesn't take any money. Doesn't take a whole lot of advertising. Just takes a vessel full of the Holy Ghost. And then that person can represent God. Pentecost is when the church has the Spirit of Christ to overflow. Only Pentecost can empower us to truly represent Jesus. You know, how many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? What a majestic sight. But you know the most graphic artist cannot reproduce, cannot capture the stunning beauty, the awesome power of a, of a, a person, an in-person view of the Grand Canyon. Amen. We can talk about Jesus. We can talk about facts. But nothing replaces a manifestation of the genuine life of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he said, greater works than these ye shall do, he was not referring to men who had, or he had been, he was referring to men who had been described as ignorant and unlearned. Absolutely. But he saw in them the material to which he could pour his life. They were unlearned, but he would teach them. They were ignorant, but he would enlighten them. All by the indwelling, empowering, overcoming life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that divine life is full of appointment. It's full of equipment. Amen. When we're filled, we're harnessed for the task at hand. When we're not, we're not. Amen. It's that simple. When we're filled, we're harnessed for the task. When we're not, we're not prepared. This is God's will. This is God's desire. This is His purpose. Amen. To fill us individually and corporately with the Holy Ghost. What a shame it would be if we came here for a week and there wasn't a provoking, amen, a stirring, a hunger. I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost again. I need to pray through to a place where I know that river of life is flowing out of me, that there's a tangible recognition of the glory and the presence of God in my life. That's what I must have. Amen. That's what we need in this hour. Tonight on this first night of this convention, I want us to come. I want you to stand. Amen. As you musicians come, amen. I want us to ask God to fill us afresh with His Spirit. This is the key. There's a lot of things we're going to talk about that are profitable and necessary. Amen. But we must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Carry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power on high.